0: initially when I was on TikTok and things like that, I was really, I really had an issue with self-diagnosis. And then I thought about it more critically. And I'm like, you know, a lot of people, they just simply don't have access to care. And this is their exposure. And they're resonating with something that they've seen. And they're like, this is an explanation for the symptoms I'm having.
1: Hello and welcome to the Women and ADHD podcast. I'm your host, Katie Weber. Before we get started, I'd like to share a review from Audible in the UK. It's entitled So Validating. This podcast is just amazing for anyone with ADHD or suspecting they might have ADHD. It honestly got me through all the anxiety of waiting on my assessment and helped me to believe that my experience was real. Even now, after my diagnosis, this is my go-to when I'm feeling down and like I'm not normal. Thank you so much, Katie, and all the wonderful women who share their stories. Oh my goodness. I love this review for so many reasons. So thank you so much for leaving it and letting me know how much these interviews helped you, not only before your diagnosis, but since. Yes, it is so validating to feel like we are not the only ones who experience life this way and that we are not alone. We're actually in the company of so many like-minded, brilliant women. And if you'd like to get to know more like minded, brilliant women with ADHD, make sure to come join us in the Women and ADHD online community. Head over to womenandadhd.com or find the link in the show notes. Okay, we have arrived at episode 59, in which I interview the incredible Dr. Sasha Hamdani. I have been so excited for this interview to air because if you follow Dr. Hamdani on TikTok or Instagram, and she's uh, the psych doctor MD. Of course, you can find those links in the show notes. Anyway, if you if you follow her, you know she is an absolute goddess of ADHD. She is brilliant. She is witty. She is so droll and acerbic. She's like an eye roll personified. Is that a compliment? I think she would take that as a compliment. I certainly mean it in all the best ways. And she has the most amazing hair. I was so excited when she agreed to chat with me and let me pick her brain about ADHD. And I learned a ton in this conversation, and I know you are going to love her insight. For the handful of you who might not yet know her, Dr. Sasha Hamdani is a board-certified psychiatrist and an ADHD specialist. In addition to her private practice, she has a massive social media following on TikTok and Instagram, where she provides accessible and accurate information about ADHD, We talk all about her diagnosis as a child and how her parents actually kept it a secret from her until she had a meltdown in medical school. And we talk about social media influencers and a lot of the misinformation that's out there. We also talk about the downsides of calling ADHD your superpower. And she explains transmagnetic stimulation and some of its benefits for people with ADHD and especially treatment-resistant depression. Okay, enough gushing from me. Enjoy. Enjoy. So you have alluded to your diagnosis story in quite a few of your videos. I'm very excited Mm -hmm. to actually hear this story about you being diagnosed in the fourth grade after you started a riot in your classroom. So let's backtrack a little bit. So first, I mean, it couldn't have been out of nowhere. Like what was happening? Um, you know, I feel like I don't get to interview a lot of women who were diagnosed in childhood. I feel like you guys are kind of yeah. you're unicorns for, uh, you know, and um, so obviously your parents were kind of pioneers, but like what, what happened with this, this, uh, riot and, and what were some of the signs that were were going on in your life that your parents kind of looked into this diagnosis for you?
0: I mean, I don't know if they were pioneers, like had you met fourth grade me, you'd be like, okay, (laughs) (laughs) something you got to do. I think it got bad enough where they were like, she's smart. She's definitely smart. She can figure out testing. She can do all of this stuff, but she is in everybody's business. Like, I'm always talking. I'm always getting in trouble for leaving my seat and sharpening my pencil for, when pencils were a thing, I guess, <laughs> sharpening my pencil 40 times a day and going on bathroom breaks and just like being found at different places in the school. And they're like, what are you doing? Like, I don't know. So, I mean, it, it, there were signs leading up to it, but yes, my riot story. Um, it. it so there was substitute teacher that day. I got all the other kids to stand up on their desk and we just like, like it was an organized protest in fourth grade. And like, for no other reason, I don't really remember all the details about it, but I mean, I remember just thinking it would be hysterical. And I remember seeing like, it was this young man substitute teacher. And I remember seeing his face and like his face dropping. And then I'm like, Oh that's probably not super nice for him. <laughs> like he probably, I probably bummed him out. And like, I immediately felt really bad about it. And then I was like, why did I think this was a good idea? This is awful. And then, you know, then like it got brought to my actual teacher's attention and then they brought it up. And like, I think parent-teacher conferences was like right around that time and they brought it up at parent-teacher conferences. And then um I, to be honest with you, I went to the pediatrician and then like my life just got rude much better. I was able to focus. I was able to pay attention in school. Like I really enjoyed school all of it. I enjoyed school before for the social element, but I liked doing I actually liked doing the work. I would get involved in the projects. I would be like it was really fun for me. My parents are um well educated, but they were very concerned about the stigma of medication. So they were like I recognize that this is a problem, so they wanted me to be on medication because they thought it would be helpful. But they didn't want me to be burdened or what they assumed is burdened with a diagnosis at that age. So they told me it was a vitamin. So all throughout fourth grade to high school, the end of high school, I was on the same milligram dosage of this vitamin. And like I never skipped my vitamin, <laughs> like morning, every morning, like holidays, everything. I mean, I just was taking this vitamin every single day. So then um, I ended up doing pretty well throughout high school and then I got into medical school after high school. So I I just um, I was looking during high school. I was like, what's the fastest way to go to medical school? Because my mom's a physician. I knew I wanted to do exactly what my mom did. She's a pediatrician. And so I'm like, I just want to be a pediatrician like tomorrow. How do I do that? And so I ended up looking into these things and found some programs. And I was like, oh, okay, sweet. There are these programs that you can enter med school right out of high school. And it's all at the same time, your undergrad, your grad, all of it's together. Um, so the shortest time that they would have is a six-year program. There were two, um, programs. There was one in Kansas city. There was one in Philadelphia. I went to both Philadelphia. One was too far away from my parents. So I, I started in Kansas city. And then as soon as I got there, (laughs) just sucked. I sucked. Like I went from being like a, a pretty, like without having to try exceptionally hard, I, I, did okay at, in high school. But this, I mean, I felt like I had had a stroke. I, I just, I could not function. I mean, I would, I, I remember on my first neuro exam, I got at 68% and I was the second lowest in the class. And I was like, okay, <laughs> something is awry. And my parents were like, Uh, are you taking your vitamin? I was like, no, obviously not. I like, I don't even know how to do my laundry I'm by myself for the first time. Like, what is this? And they're like, okay, well, turns out it's Ritalin (laughs) surprise. And so I'm like, okay, that I felt very, um, I felt very betrayed. I felt really angry at that time because I felt like I like, it just kind of eradicated everything that I knew because I felt like I was drugged and performing. And that all of my achievements were really my own. That it was just like, I took this medication to help me. And I was fully convinced. I'm like, there's no way I have ADHD. That's for boys. It's not like, that's not a thing. Anyway, so I rebelled against the diagnosis. I, I went without medication for the first like year and a half of medical school. And I just... I, like, I, I nearly got kicked out twice because it was so difficult. For, it was literally so difficult. I could not get my act together in even simple things. Like I, I wasn't waking up for classes. I wasn't, like I would try so hard and I would study for like three times as long as people and I would do, I, I would barely pass the test. And I was like, what is this? Why is this so hard for me? Why can I, and what, what's hard is with a program of that pace, any program probably is that you it it really depends on foundational knowledge and I just wasn't building anything nothing was organized enough to go into my head and so every day I was reinventing the wheel and then you know I was just like I have to go like I can't be in this program anymore I hate all of you like I just (laughs) don't want to be around anybody and I just like I hated seeing my teachers. I was I was so miserable. Like and instead and like I went the other way. Like instead of like buckling down, I was so discouraged. I'm like if I can't make it through it, and I know I'm going to get kicked out anyway, I'm just going to have fun. So then instead of studying, I would like go out with my friends or I would do this and like I was like I'm going to have a college experience. I'm going to do what I want to do. But then that further pushed me into this hole of like, well, who am I? Like I used to be this really smart kid and now what am I doing? So then I, I remember I came home and I was, I told my parents, I'm like, I don't want, I, I, am not going to do this. I, I cannot do this. And they were like, I, I think it's, so I was supposed to be studying for a test and they're like, you know, what, I, we, we see the ADHD diagnosis, but you don't. So why don't you spend this time and you focus on ADHD and you see if this makes sense to you? Because I mean, if you don't figure this out, you're going to have to do something else and you'll have to figure something else besides medicine, a, a path for you. So they were like, just sit and think about what you want to do. So look into ADHD, look into other career paths. And they were actually really, it wasn't in a, it sounds really judgmental and weird. It wasn't, it was in a, like, we'll support you either way, but just look and see kind of if something tracks. And so I'm like looking into ADHD and I was like, oh yeah, (laughs) that's me. (laughs) And so then I'm like, "I, I want to do this on my own. And so, you know, my parents were still very helpful for me, but, but I, I kind of had to limp through finding the right medication and like the medication I had had throughout high school, just wasn't cutting it in terms of length of focus or anything. And I tried a couple, which like blasted my appetite or messed up my sleep or made me so emotional. So it took me a while and I didn't actually get on the right medication until maybe like a year or two before medical school ended. And by that time, I was just kind of catching up and trying to course correct this whole time. So medical was a dumpster fire. But it it cemented, you know, by the end of it, it cemented kind of my my passion and direction. And that's kind of why I ended up doing psychiatry and why I ended up specializing in ADHD.
1: Yeah. That's a really
0: long explanation. I'm so sorry.
1: (laughs) No, it's great. Um finding the right medication just feels so meta when you have ADHD because it's so like all of your barriers come to the fore when you're trying to find the right medication right like it's like i have to i have to understand what i'm even looking for with medication yeah. and when it's working you know and i have to keep going back to the doctor and having this discussion and and articulating <laughs> what is even happening to me is so difficult, much less getting the doctor's appointments and then paying for the damn medication and like all of that stuff. Like, were you, when you were figuring all that out, were you doing this with your mom because she's a pediatrician or were, okay. So you had that. Yeah, I was really experience.
0: lucky. I had I had my mom to kind of help me and do it. So it was remote. So she was in California. I was in Kansas City. So she, you know, the thing is like my mom knows me pretty well i mean too well probably (laughs) and like she could even tell like from my the cadence of my voice or how i was talking and like even on a phone this was like i mean this is probably dating me this is before facetime facetime wasn't a thing (laughs) skype wasn't a thing so like you're gay she's getting all of her data just from how my voice sounds and she is like you know, I could tell that this medication is making you more irritable. I can tell that you are, you know, that have you eaten today? Have you done this? So it was nice to have that third party to kind of bounce those questions off of, because then I knew like, okay, this medication is probably not for me because it's so hard to have an accurate gauge of your own internal environment. It, it, it's just hard. Like you're trying to verbalize stuff that intrinsically you might not understand in and of itself, or like for years and years and years, you're like, I thought that was normal. Mm. So, I mean, it's just weird. Mm. So you're trying to explain all of this stuff. So having someone else that, you know, sees you on a regular basis is exceptionally helpful because it's kind of like um, they can observe symptoms and changes better than you can sometimes.
1: Yeah. I, I've talked about this a lot, a lot with um, antidepressants, right? Because I feel like a lot mm. of us who were diagnosed in adulthood were diagnosed with depression and anxiety yeah. and so i was on like a cocktail of an ssri well butrin and and yeah. always sort of was falling down that hole of of upping the dose. Right. Like I would go to my doctor and be like, I don't think this is working. I don't feel like I'm doing any better. And so then it was like, well, let's try a higher dose. And then I would get into that mindset of like, well, if it's not working or no, if I'm this bad on the medication, imagine how bad I'll be off the medication. Right. And so then you get, you fall down that trap, which is sort of, you know, is this even the right medication? I don't know. Let's try the upper dose. Like, it just feels like you're constantly throwing darts at the wall. And it's extra frustrating for antidepressants because sometimes, and this is what I tell people, sometimes
0: when they're like, I don't know if this has helped, they get off their medication for a couple days and they're like, oh, I feel much worse and it must be that I need this medication. No, you could make a normal person, you could put a normal, like, I don't want to say normal, but like someone who is has absolutely no mood pathology and you stick them on an antidepressant if you pull them off of an antidepressant they're going to have withdrawal mm-hmm. so it's not necessarily indicating that there is like this resurgence of pathology it's saying that you know your body those those chemical receptors are empty and now you're having symptoms so it's it you know it's difficult because you have this like feedback loop that's telling you like i really need this Maybe that's not the case. And especially it's not, you know, for people that have been misdiagnosed, because a lot of women, they get misdiagnosed with um, mood and personality disorders because no one's looking for ADHD. It's hard because, I mean, I feel like half of what I do is I'm just cleaning up messes from other positions (laughs) where I'm like, this is dumb. Why were you on this? but I think I know what I'm looking for or what I'm not necessarily looking for, but ADHD is on my radar. So when I'm having people who are describing, you know, that um, a certain set of criteria and they also have, you know, I have the additional benefit of seeing that they failed numerous antidepressant trials. I'm like, okay, we're missing something. Either genetically you just hate antidepressants or it's not depression.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know. And then not only that, but then, you know, ADHD kind of presents itself at some point as, as the, the solution, not the solution, but at least the answer, right? So you're like, oh my goodness, I feel so seen. I feel so understood by TikTok, the TikTok videos, the memes, however it's coming at you, right? And you're sort of feeling like, oh my goodness, this could be the answer to everything. But then there's, totally. right? And, but then I also sort of struggle with that. I think a huge part of the diagnosis journey is also the self doubt, right? So you're always like, well, maybe this isn't oh, it. Maybe yeah. I'm just exaggerating. Did I really struggle? Cause that's also the answer, right? Which is like, well, it's only ADHD if you really struggle. And I'm like, I don't know. How much did I struggle? How much am I struggling? <laughs> right. And yeah. I mean, I, I can get dressed in the morning. So I'm better off than some people, but like, you know, right. so you have to question that. And then also there's this idea of like, well, you shouldn't, you know, if you have ADHD, you should get, professionally diagnosed for a lot of reasons. I think that's important, but like it could be something else. And then it's like, well, what is it? I've been told I have depression and anxiety. Um, so maybe it's just that, but then on the same time, you're like, well, it can't, you know, maybe the ADHD is causing the depression and anxiety. So I really feel like it's com- comes back to the ADHD, but then you risk going to a medical pro- professional who doesn't really know enough as much about ADHD as the freaking TikTok influencers do right because so much of this understanding is 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 through the shared lived experiences and you've talked about this too right this sort of dichotomy between like you know you are the expert of yourself you are seeing these videos you're seeing these lived experiences and they're relating to you know you are relating to them on a deep deep seated level but at the Mm -hmm. same time it's important to kind of talk to a professional but oftentimes the professionals were were that are available to us don't know enough about ADHD or have a very different idea of what ADHD is. And then you're back at square one. Um, and so it's sort of like, well, what do I do in this situation? Am I just grasping at straws? Is it ADHD? Am I looking for an answer and I'm finding it in this like perfect acronym that's summing up every struggle I've ever had in my life or is, you know, Or is this uh, a misdiagnosis? Um, Mm And You know, that's like I say that all the time where I'm like, maybe it's not ADHD. Maybe I'm just a feminist living in a misogynist society. And we're like still have this collective post-Trump trauma that we're all living through. Right. I mean, I was a pandemic diagnosis. So like there have there's there's been a. Proliferation of diagnoses of ADHD since the pandemic. At least it feels like it. I don't know. I haven't really looked into the st- stats, right? So there has. So then I'm like, well, is this even ADHD or are we just experiencing a collective trauma right now? um and it's going to at some point settle down but keep down. in
0: mind Katie that part of it is also with this pandemic it, it was just a huge functional and life change now all of a sudden we're out forced to work remotely we're having isolation we're more on our social media and our phones and we're learning and identifying um identifying symptoms um that maybe have gone unnoticed and now this this perfect storm of changing your situation and uh, now working from home and being isolated and you know and knowing more has led you to this diagnosis so I don't uh, so yes definitely there is a part of just how utterly traumatic the past 18-24 months have been but I think a lot of it was I, I don't necessarily think that it's misdiagnosis I think it's stuff that has been you know, for women especially, who've gotten it, like have had to f- go through life masking so significantly for so long, this kind of probably was that, you know, catalyst that it's like, okay, this <laughs> this isn't working right now, mm-hmm. especially like during that time where they had to like you have to teach your kids from home and do all of that stuff. Like, how horrible.
1: Right. Yeah. Horrible. Oh, I know. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that was really, I mean, I've spoken to so many women who, who were diagnosed recently because it just felt like the house of cards got blown off the table. Um, yes. Yeah. And, and then, Oh, what was that? What you oh, the misdiagnosis. I also sort of feel like at the end of the day, if you're mis, if you misdiagnose yourself with ADHD, I still think you're in a better place in terms of like understanding, starting to understand who you are and what you do um instead of defaulting to the i am a failure i am lazy i am a terrible person which i think a lot of us were doing for a myriad reasons you know um in you know as as women as um in a western society like i think there's lots of reasons why um we might kind of feel terrible about ourselves if we can't do mundane domestic tasks, right? Are some of the reasons why I feel like women in in particular are understanding uh, how ADHD plays into some of the struggles that they've had as mothers and as wives and as, um, you know, at work and all that stuff. Uh, So I think it's like, even if you're misdiagnosing yourself with ADHD and not, you know, seeking a formal diagnosis, like, there's not a lot of harm in that. You know, I think the benefit so greatly outweighs the harm in thinking you might have ADHD. So maybe you should um, go out for a run or, you know, <laughs> be kinder to yourself for all of these things. I don't think a lot of people are like, I'm going to go out and get black market Ritalin.
0: You'd be surprised though. Well, <laughs> I mean, so so here's the, here's the deal. I actually, I, I'm kind of on the same page. Initially, when I was on TikTok and things like that, I was really... I really had an issue with self-diagnosis. And then I thought about it more critically and I'm like, "Ah." you know, a lot of people, they just simply don't have access to care and this is their exposure. And they're resonating with something that they've seen. And they're like, this is an explanation for the symptoms I'm having. All right, cool. There's so much behavioral modification that you can do to help manage those symptoms better, use appropriate self-care, do all of those things a little bit more soundly and appropriately. Love that here's my issue with, um, self-diagnosis. My issue, I think what it's boiled down to is one, exactly what you touched on. Some people, they feel like, and it's not even like, you know, we, we have this, um, (laughs) (laughs) this image of this, like covert operation and like drug dealing in the park to get this like (laughs) off market, uh, like black market riddling. No, like, college campuses is just like, you know, your roommate will be on Adderall or something. And then, you know, the other roommate will be like, Oh, can I have some? I think I have ADHD. It's like that. It's like not, it's not something that is, 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 you know, this, this elaborate, well thought out process. It can happen very um, easily and, um, you know, accessibility to certain medications can be high, but it, which is weird because it seems like when when people are diagnosed and really need it, it's it's difficult to access it. But but like in certain situations, it's high, and the problem with self-diagnosis and in those situations that I'm talking almost not exclusively, but at college campuses this is a big big one, is that with taking a medication that you don't you haven't been prescribed. The problem is, is that you run the risk of you're putting a neurostimulant. I mean, if that's what you're taking, which is normally what people are taking, you might feel like, oh, this makes me feel better in the moment. Well, that you're getting a transient effect. It's not actually indicative and it's not a diagnostic thing. Like this is actually, this is ADHD. This is not, it might temporarily make things better, but it could increase heart rate. It could um, it would cause problems with thyroid. It could cause, it could cause a whole slew of emotional problems as well. Um and then that coupled with alcohol is just like an absolute dumpster fire. So like there's there is, I don't really have issues with self-diagnosis if you're using it for behavioral modification. I think anytime you think about medication, um even if it's really readily accessible to you, you have to do it through a physician. You have to, because otherwise yeah. it's too dangerous.
1: Yeah. And I I guess you're right. I, I- Sort of feel like that goes without saying that you shouldn't be taking somebody else's prescription right. medication, but maybe it doesn't go without saying when you're when with the scenario you're talking about, which is like I watch TikTok, I think I have ADHD, so this is ADHD medication, so why don't I just kind of take a few shortcuts and try my roommate's version of it as opposed to actually all of the hurdles that we experience in this country going through the process, and then also like how expensive it is. You you want you might want to just okay. try. Yes, so that exactly. I think I think uh, diagnosis for the sake of medication is absolutely important, but I also kind of I feel like we can't deny the fact that there are so you know that we're almost at this impasse in terms of like lived experience versus what medical professionals actually understand about ADHD like it's almost like a you know we're we're neck and neck in this horse race in terms of you know social media and and how this is being described to people versus how it is in the DSM and you know who you know the the lottery of terms of who you're going to get as a medical mm-hmm. professional and how, the, what they're going to understand about your symptoms and, and how, if you're even going to be able to articulate it, like, that's the other thing. Like the advice I always give to women when they're seeking a diagnosis, I'm like, take a checklist, do not go there unarmed, you know, you, because the mm-hmm. moment you get into that office, you're not going to know what to say. You're going to feel overwhelmed. You know, you have 15 minutes. Like, so you need to go with like an absolute list um, because you're not going to remember that's ADHD. <laughs> but like, you know, I feel like that same idea of, there's just so many barriers to so many um getting this diagnosis that I again I, it I feel like, you know, social media is is filling a hole, whether that's good or bad, I'm not sure. When I was diagnosed with ADHD, it completely turned my world upside down. I looked back at so much of my life, my grades in school, my multiple careers and hobbies, my friendships, my marriage, motherhood, my relationship with food and my body, like all of this with a new lens. And it was overwhelming to say the least. If you've been diagnosed with ADHD and you're feeling blown away by this new insight into your brain and how it operates, I totally understand. I can help you begin to sort through this chaos, explore who you are and how your brain operates so you can finally start to lean into your strengths and begin to use them to your advantage moving forward. Together, we can work to identify what obstacles you've been facing and create strategies to help you start living a more fulfilling, gratifying life. Head over to womenandadhdcom coaching to book a 30-minute initial consult with me so we can figure out if my brand of one-on-one coaching is right for you. Again, that's womenandadhdcom coaching, and you can find that link in the episode show notes. Any other parents out there who have struggled to instill good financial habits into their kids? I know I have. And that's why I'm so excited to tell you about the sponsor of today's episode Go Henry by Acorns, the smart debit card and app for kids 6 through 18. With Go Henry, kids can learn about money, set spending and saving goals, and even track chores and earn allowance money right within the app. They learn the value of money by using their Go Henry debit cards, while we as parents can set spend limits and help guide their journey while staying informed every step of the way. It gives me so much peace of mind to know that I'm using a smart tool to proactively teach my kids about money and prepare them for future success. Set your kids up for success and get started today at GoHenry.com slash WomenADHD. Again, that's GoHenry.com slash WomenADHD. TNCs apply. Renews from $4.99 per month unless canceled. You joined TikTok a year ago, right? I joined it in, in December. December of twenty twenty. Like million years ago. Yeah. <laughs> um, um, and yeah. so, when you joined it, were you like, "There's misinformation," and I want to set the record straight, or were you just sort of like, "I'm bored and this would be fun," or was there a, an official reason when you joined, or were you just kind of <laughs> like, "Yeah," because there's a lot so of my, doctors
0: on on TikTok. I know. I didn't even know about that, but like, my so for months, my sister had been like you need to join TikTok. They have really good makeup tips. And I was like, <laughs> no, <laughs> no way. Like I spent most of 2020 making fun of TikTok. I was just like, it's for 12 year olds. This isn't like a thing I should be on. But then I like, I, I, the frequency of this, it just escalated, you know, because we were doing telehealth, I would have patients hold their phone up to the screen and they're like, because this video says I sneeze multiple times in a row, I have ADHD. And I'm like, no, that's stupid. That's not a thing. And so like, I was just blown away. I mean, I'm not even kidding. Maybe like three or four times a week, I would see something where I'm like, how? how, How is that even on the internet? So then I was like, okay, well, you know, there's not a, a or like, this was my limited knowledge of it because I, I wasn't actually on TikTok and I didn't, I wasn't like, I didn't get shunted into ADHD, TikTok yet. So I didn't think there were a lot of resources. So I started making videos on that and it kind of, and then, you know, TikTok happened. and I was just being it. And then all of a sudden it was my whole life. Um, but yeah, so it's, I don't know. It was like a 50-50 split of me wanting to provide good information and also me wanting to have good eyebrows. So <laughs> that's how it happened. Yeah. So I, I, you know, that's, that's, but, you know, since being on there, I, um, there's been a huge, huge amount of wonderful information, both, both coming from, um, providers where it's like very very good clinically based information. There's some fabulous therapists, there's some fabulous psychiatrists on there, um, that give good information. And then there's some, there's some good, um, lived experience, which are really, um, I mean, like, I love one of the first people I followed on TikTok. She's also on Instagram is your ADHD mom. I don't know if you've seen her or talked to her. I don't know. Maybe I probably follow her. I mean, she like, I started following her in the very beginning. And she was talking about like her, like on her thing, She calls herself an accidental ADHD advocate because she just recorded her entire experience from beginning to end of getting diagnosed. Like, this is what I'm seeing. I'm thinking this is it okay, now I'm going to my doctor for the first time. Like, and so it was just such a, a cool experience because you're, you're going through all the pitfalls and the successes and all of that with her. And so I feel like that was such a vital and important thing to document and see. Um, so I love things like that. I do have some beef with some... <laughs> people providing information like where it's not coming from a lived experience where they're trying to provide clinical data because some of it is wrong and some of it the problem which which i have with people that are giving clinical data that are not medical professionals is that i don't think they can appropriately monitor what's happening in their comments maybe no one can do that but like then you get a lot of comments like that can't be adhd because of this and it's like well not, no, like, and so I feel like sometimes with misinformation that's put on there, um, it actually serves as a barrier to care. You know, it deters people from getting appropriate care, which is, which is sneaky.
1: Yeah. And I think it also kind of builds up a lot of stereotypes about what ADHD is and and is and isn't, which, you know can, can increase stigma around, you know, brushing people off or, you know, or, or the other thing, which, you know, is using ADHD as an excuse versus using it as an explanation. So I'm always talking about that with my kids, right. Where I'm like, ADHD is not an excuse to be an asshole. You still have to figure out how to do the thing, (laughs) Uh, you know, but yeah. it can often, it can give you an explanation as to what's happening in your brain and where, you know, what you need in terms of, you know, getting from A to Z. But I think that, you know, I do see a lot of that stuff where I'm like, oh, you know, I, using ad you know, ADHD can be referred to quite flippantly sometimes and be like, oh yeah, that's yeah. my ADHD. And, and yeah. um, you know, oftentimes I'm like, well, you know, we, we do still have to take it seriously in terms of... How you know destructive it can be, or how, like you said, like you know sometimes they're you know it- uh, I'm losing my train of thought. Basically, I'm like, you know, that yeah. y- your life is still hard, and you know, your life and, is hard, right? Yeah. And so, if we start talking about ADHD, like it's this, you know, adorable thing where you're like talking about squirrels all the time, then we're really <laughs> just brushing over some of the like real issues and the misdiagnoses and and you know the real like comorbidities that are out there,
0: and like not just squirrel, but like what I feel like is especially kind of traumatic for me is like when I was seeing this huge surgence of like ADHD is my superpower. And I'm like, I want to punch you in the face. Like, I don't like, do you like, I, I get, I get that the theory is that they're trying to put a positive side and like make you see that maybe there are some things about ADHD that can, can be worked into a positive, but like overwhelmingly, if you were to ask me any, any day of the week, would you rather have ADHD or not? I'd be like, no, I don't want to have it. I would way rather not have. Um, So I feel like putting things into like, this is my superpower. I need to, if you could just harness your hyper-focus. I mean, it makes you feel like ADHD has this volitional component where you can just be like, oh, I want if I just will myself into focusing at this certain time, I can do anything I want. And it's like, okay, that's not how the brain works. (laughs) Like, okay, if it's this perfect storm of you being absolutely engaged in something, then maybe you can kind of get it together in that time and maybe you can behaviorally modify it and make it easier, but it's not something that you can kind of turn on and off. And it's, and it's not like if, if something becomes a superpower, it is, by accident, <laughs> like, right? Yeah. But chance, or like something, something like that. It's just like a blessed occurrence. So I, I don't, I feel like utilizing terms like superpower and I, I hate that. I, I mean, it drives me absolutely bonkers. I hate it.
1: No, I hate it. I'm the same. And you know, and I feel like like with coaching, right? Like I I feel like coaching can be really really predatory in terms of ADHD coaching because oh. it's like we're going to do this and we're going to you know, I'm going to if you pay me, I'm going to help you you know, transform your life overnight and you're mm-hmm. like, you know, and you're like you are taking advantage of the impulse <laughs> to want to kind of jump on these trains, right? And I just feel like of all people you should understand how how problematic that kind of like, you know, tapping into that need for, um, oh. or that, you know, impatience and impulsivity can be. I feel like it's really, it's just gross a lot of the time.
0: It's so disgusting. It's so disgusting. And like, I, that's another thing. Like, that's another thing that I've, uh, like, that has opened my eyes. I didn't actually know, it's like maybe I'm a moron and I should have known this, but like, I didn't actually know that ADHD. Coaching was a thing outside of like therapy. Like I thought if, if people were talking about like I have this life coach or something like that, I was like, oh, okay. But then when when I started going on TikTok and Instagram and people started asking me questions about like, hey, um, I've, you know, I just signed up for a course with this life coach. And then you click on them and it's like this shoddily done website, and it's like Uh, these people are talking about this is guaranteed to make your to fix your brain oh my god I know right I'm going to shut you down like how dare you like how could you take this extremely vulnerable population and how can you make these promises when you're not what 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 kills me what absolutely kills me is that it takes there's no governing body for this You, you don't pass any sort of like I mean, the ones that I'm talking about, That maybe there are some kind of certifications or things like that. But in general, you can you can call yourself an ADHD coach just because you have ADHD. That's what I do. I'm, I'm turning this into a positive. I'm going to teach people based on what I've experienced. But that, I mean, everybody's brain is different. It's not coming from any sort of neurobiological basis or, or deeper understanding of how the brain works. And I think that's how you get better understanding of yourself and because you start tying together things and you start seeing correlates and so it just scares me when people are trying to push well, maybe this is something that works for them maybe it's not maybe they're just saying that because it's convenient and they feel like ADHD is lucrative and so they're taking these people to just waste their time and money and potentially harm them more it's you're right it's gross yeah
1: yeah And, and, and sort of ruin them for this idea of like, you know, I think we have a, we have a tendency to chase things and lose a lot of money. I think it's an an ADHD tax I've certainly experienced, right? Which is like feeling like I'm going to get the quick fix, feeling like this is the next answer, funneling money into things, and then feeling like it's a waste. And then you get trigger shy because Trigger shy. Is that even a word? You know, you're just like, right. Where it's like, I'm worried about doing anything constructive because it's a sense of like, oh, I have a tendency to like just jump on things and waste money. And, and so, and it is, it's the wild west out there. I'd like to take a moment to thank BetterHelp for sponsoring this podcast. If you're a regular listener of this podcast, you know I am a big proponent of therapy. Therapy provides me the best opportunity for verbal processing, something that is so important for my kind of brain and my sense of self. What I love about BetterHelp is that it's not a crisis line. It's not self-help. It is professional therapy that's done securely online from the comfort of your home. They assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist. And it's available for clients worldwide. So you get access to a broad range of expertise that might not be available to you locally. It also tends to be more affordable than traditional offline therapy and financial aid is available. If you visit their website and read their testimonials, there are actually quite a few reviews that specifically reference help with ADHD. As a special offer for listeners of the women and ADHD podcast, you'll get 10% off your first month. Simply sign up at betterhelp.com slash women ADHD. That's betterhelp h e l p.com slash women ADHD. And there's a link in the show notes. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. for listeners. And for my sake as well, like what would be the difference between seeking a psychiatrist versus a licensed therapist? If you have ADHD?
0: Psychiatrists uh, can prescribe medication. So that is the the biggest difference between them. Psychiatrists have gone through medical school. um, So I think that's actually really important. So um, in terms of going through medical school because they can, can, at the time of your assessment, they can also do a more comprehensive um, look at everything going on they can look at 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 your other medications they can look at medical disorders and they can kind of feel like okay maybe this is actually a thyroid problem maybe this is actually autoimmune maybe this is and so they can kind of tease out is this from an underlying cause they've also through their psychiatric residency they have gone through uh, depending on the residency they do um Mine was very psychotherapy heavy. So you we went through all the therapy modalities. So we can also kind of talk about and at least direct you. Some, some psychiatrists do their own therapy. Some people are just like they're too busy with, it, with their other medication-based patients that they have to refer out. But they can identify if it's a psychological problem that's kind of lending to this ADHD picture, and then they can um, diagnose and prescribe medications. So that's kind of the biggest difference. But I mean, in terms of, I I mean, therapists are fabulous um, in terms of ADHD diagnosis, because I think, to be totally honest with you, I think that they spend more time and can provide better skill sets. Because with the psychiatrists, you're going in there and like, you know, you have your initial evaluation and then you have follow-up appointments afterwards, which are shorter. So I like going to a psychiatrist for initial evaluation and for medication stuff. But I really, I'm just biased. I think therapy is awesome. Everybody in the universe should have a therapist. But I, I feel like it is so wonderful to be able to have that someone else who can get their hands on your brain and help optimize your life appropriately. That's so helpful because like, for me, even when I was going through residency, I didn't recognize any patterns because every day was different. And it's when I started working through those therapeutic modalities, I was like, okay. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Okay. This needs to change. And so they can help you build habits. They can help. So I think, I think a combination of, of, medication if it's appropriate and for a lot of people it's not but a psychiatrist at least would be able to tell you I I would say at least 30% of people who come in I don't start on medication because I'm like you don't like right now this I mean I you could probably get adequate results if you did therapy and try that first because I don't want you to do a medication without building those good skill sets first
1: yeah pills don't build skills right am I right
0: (laughs) you are correct
1: (laughs) You're very correct. Um, so now I'm curious, I don't know much, or I certainly haven't talked much about this on the podcast uh, with transmagnetic stimulation. And I know yeah. that's something that you work on with patients. What can you tell me a little bit more about what it is and kind of how it works in relation yeah. to ADHD? So TMS is actually
0: not something that's FDA approved for ADHD. TMS is something that is a alternative method for right now treatment resistant depression. There's more indications being added in terms of like um, anxiety and, um, and uh, OCD and even some cases bipolar, depending on the machine, because there are different machines you can get. Um, but basically what it's doing is instead of putting a pill in your mouth and kind of helping and praying, it ends up in the right place. This is you're mapping out the brain. You're figuring out where you need to stimulate. Then you're stimulating it with a magnetic impulse with a repetitive. It's kind of like, have you ever been in an MRI?
1: No, I've never had one, but I can okay, imagine well, it. they're annoying.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, this isn't actually, you're not like in an enclosed thing, but the, with an MRI, you get tapping like this. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like that. You're, you're getting this repetitive tapping, but what that's doing is it's is it's, formulating and building a good healthy pathway and what a lot of people see is with treatment resistant depression and anxiety that often comes as a comorbidity what happens is that your energy improves then the depression abates and then the anxiety gets better so what i've seen is that for people who have adhd and also have these comorbidities sometimes they can never truly get on top of their adhd symptoms because they're riding this fine line of like okay well i'm trying to treat my adhd but if i start this medication my anxiety goes way up so then now i need to crank up my anxiety medication but now i can't focus anymore and it's just like it's it feels overwhelming to try and treat two variables and a lot of people are like i am tired of medication i can't do this back and forth i'm walking a tightrope and depending on how my life looks at the moment i'm out of whack it's just it's miserable and so i like tms because one it's it's not a medication. And I get it. I get it. I'm a psychiatrist and I'm supposed to push pills. Like, okay, fine, whatever. But like, I don't like medication. I well, I mean, I see that there's a medical use for it at times. But like, ideally, if we could be in a spot where we can behaviorally modify or be on the least amount of medication for the least amount of time possible, that's always where we want to be. So I like TMS because you're not using a medication and it's it's one of our greatest chances of reducing medication use. And then if you can adequately address the depression and anxiety, so it's not really a variable, it's like you have this fresh new lease on how to treat your ADHD. And it's like your medications are working for the first time. So I bring up at TMS one, because I love it. I think it's really helpful, but two, because I think it's one of those things that, you know, part of the journey with ADHD that can be so sort of frustrating is you don't really know what variable is being impacted. And so you're like, I don't really get why this medication is not working. Is it that it's just not working because genetically I can't metabolize it? Or is there something else coming in the way? So for people that have both, and especially people who have struggled with trying so many antidepressants and they just, you know, they need something else. This is great.
1: Yeah, I've talked about that a lot, which is like, you know, I'm not by any stretch of the imagination anti-medication, but I also kind of feel like sometimes like you said, medication brings with it so many questions and it can be really just overwhelming to think about like, what is working? What isn't working? Who am I? Who am I not? That sometimes it's just quieter to go back to your baseline and to kind of get off of it all and just be like, who am I without all of this? And then start from scratch again and again, you know, and, and because I feel like I can get so worked up in the, like, is this placebo? Is this working? Is this not, what am I, you know, am I, and then you start to fall down the rabbit hole of like, well, what am I combining it with, you know? And that is an endless question, right? This idea of like, well, you know, all of the different environmental issues that might be coming into play with the medication. And it's just, when your brain is on hyperdrive anyway, like sometimes the addition of medication can, can do more harm than good. And so, um, Yeah, I think uh, it's really fascinating to find some of those other methodologies in, in terms of, you know, coming at this understanding, just like, you know, just like we were saying with therapy, like so much of the benefit of therapy is just. Parsing all of this stuff, you know, just the like Mm -hmm. verbal processing, and being like, okay, what is happening? What is going on? And just taking that chance to have a guided conversation about who you are and what's working and what isn't. Yeah, yeah. Uh, So now you, but you work with a lot of kids too, right? Mm -hmm. So you kind of. Six and up, and so that was sort of the mm-hmm. your your desire to be a pediatrician comes through with working with children. Your face just like lit up when I said you work with children. That's always a nice I sign. Know.
0: I know. I love. I mean, I love. I love working with kids. And now you know, my practice has gotten out of control. Yeah. <laughs> just having kids of my own, it's just like it's difficult because you know I only work when I have uh, childcare available to me. But so now I've kind of limited my practice to like seeing adults of all kinds. But the kids that I see, I've only now I'm only seeing ADHD kiddos. I mean, my existing patients, but like my new patients are just ADHD, and it is like the most awesome and rewarding work ever. It's like so easy and fun, and like you get to. And now it's all telehealth, and you get to see them in their own environments. And they're like, "Want to see my room? <laughs> yes, <laughs> hell <health. laughs> yes, I do." And so, like, you're seeing their pets, and you're seeing, like, it's just so fun. It's so fun. It's a good job to have right now. Yeah.
1: You know, I have a 10 year old and a 14 year old. And so the conversation since my diagnosis, obviously it's been, you know, we've had a lot of conversations in our house about like whether to get them diagnosed and what even, you know, what is going on with them and, and how do we talk about ADHD? Because I talk about it like with such positivity, you know, like I'm just like, it was this revelation to me, you know? And, Mm -hmm. and so I think it's so important to talk about it in this positive way. But my husband also has a lot of like, he's very nervous about getting them diagnosed because he also, feels like you know they're going to they're they're going to get labeled and there's going to be the stigma and they're going to get treated differently or or they may feel like you know they might limit themselves they might feel like I can't go to medical school if I have ADHD or I can't you know like all I do is talk about how hard motherhood was with AD, with, with undiagnosed ADHD and then there's a part of a you know there's part of me that's like oh maybe I should stop talking about how hard it is because maybe there's a 20 year old out there wow. that I'm going to cons- who's going to say I shouldn't have kids because I have ADHD. And I'm like, no, 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 undiagnosed ADHD, totally different from diagnosed ADHD. Um, but you know, I just feel like it's so like, I love the video. Every time you have videos about like talking to children or sort of like talking to, you know, parents about like how to address and treat ADHD with their kids and how, you know, to give it that positive spin and be like, you have this amazing brain. And Um, I just think that's so important to really kind of change the narrative at such a young age about what this is, because right now the only kids who are getting diagnosed are the kids who are being disruptive and their teachers are like, Oh, Jimmy, I can't take it anymore. You know, you need to put them on medication. And it's like, you know, we're just, we're, we're creating this generation after generation of kids who are like, who, who are, you know, associate ADHD with being a bad kid. Right. And um or not talking about it at all like you you know the dystopian give your kid a vitamin tactic (laughs) your parents took it does sound like the giver or something you know um one of those dystopian novels like just take your pill everybody oh it's very real (laughs) (laughs) Uh, but I think there's just so many questions as a parent where you want to do the right thing and you want to make sure that you know you're not um Screwing them up, right? By how you address yeah, their brain. So I, I so appreciate all of the kind of the way that you're digging in and diving into this morass and and really helping people understand one video at a time. Uh, Katie, I love
0: your vocabulary. <laughs> um, a bit. <laughs> I haven't heard that word in so long. Um, yeah, thank you. I, I, you know, the thing about so actually this morning I. I I put a little I don't know if it uploaded and thing was being weird this morning. But on Instagram I was I partnered with understood.org. I don't know if you've seen their website, but like it's a good thing to mention just because like I I try to bring to light as many like resources as possible. This is just like a free for people that are trying to navigate those waters of of getting a kid through school, which is hard. And if you're seeing stuff at home, these are resources where you can yeah, like how to do a parent-teacher conference, how to bring up ADHD within these kind of things. What, if you're concerned about this, how do you talk to your parents, your doctor, your things like this? How do you address a learning disability? Like, like stuff like that, which I feel like one, wonderful for kind of awareness, but two, from the logistical side of things, I think a lot of people have difficulty. Like how do I even approach this? Who do I talk to? Who do I, how do I get this information across if I have these concerns as a parent? And so I think it's really helpful um, that now this is just part, people are making it part of their agenda. You just need to know where to look. Mm -hmm. This is a, it's a, it, it, I've been really impressed by them. I I thought they were fabulous. And I love that it's free. You just click on it and they're like infographics. It's just very ADHD friendly.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Right. And, you know, and I think that's something that we, uh, another thing we have a conversation about a lot on this, which is that like, you know, trying to do things on your own and trying to navigate things on your own and trying to just be like, okay, I've got this new information. What am I going to do with it? And, and, and just getting so, you know, going from zero to a hundred and getting so overwhelmed by the wealth of information that's out there and not even knowing where to start and like who to go to. And, and so Uh, You know, it's like I said, it's like, I feel like it's very meta when you get these diagnoses. You're just like, oh my God, I, I don't even know where to begin. It's so overwhelmed.
0: It's it's overwhelming. It can totally be overwhelming for sure.
1: I want to take a minute to let you know about the new women and ADHD online community. One thing I hear time and time again from listeners of this podcast is wow, these interviews make me feel so much less alone. And I totally agree. I believe finding our people and sharing our lived experiences is such an integral part of successfully managing our ADHD. So I've put together this online community for listeners of the podcast where we can come together in a safe, intimate environment and make friends and obsessively ponder our neurodivergent brains with other brilliant like-minded women. And we never have to apologize for simply being ourselves. With your membership, you also have access to all sorts of exclusive content, like early access to this podcast, written transcripts of the episodes, and a free copy of my audiobook, Worth It, A Journey to Food and Body Freedom. You also have the option to upgrade at any time in order to participate in regular body doubling sessions and live member hangouts on zoom with me and other members where we discuss life with our ADHD brains. So head over to women in to join us or find the link in the show notes. All right. I hope to see you there soon. So a question I ask my guests all the time is if you could rename ADHD to something else, what would you name it? And I know that you've called it in the past always doing hundred distractions, which I <laughs> if that's your answer. I mean I'm I'm here for it because it's great. But if I have you thought about, that um, um, have you thought about yeah, calling it something so else? If
0: I were to um I have two. I mean, uh, so I don't I, I don't like the name. And I, I think you're going to, if you take a poll, 100 out of 100 people aren't going to like the name of ADHD, but they all have different reasons. I don't necessarily like the name of ADHD because I don't think it's an attention deficit. I think it's a regulation problem. So that's part of the issue. I don't like that hyperactivity is in there when that's just one subtype. So then I'm like, eh, okay, why, why do we even need that in there? And then I would want them to include emotional stuff in there which is right now not part of the diagnostic criteria but it should be I mean it really should be I think uh, like almost 100% of people with ADHD deal with uh, emotional regulation issues just like from a neurobiological perspective it absolutely makes sense with that chemical firing but too also if you are just you know beat down by society for years and years you're gonna have problems right (laughs) so I mean I think what I would call it attention and emotional regulation disorder. And I think the disorder part, I know people will have beef with this, but I actually think the disorder part needs to stay in there because I think if you called it a dysfunction or if you called it, I don't know, an issue or you did something, I think disorder needs to stay because disorder indicates that there is a clinical severity that needs to be taken seriously, like a bipolar, like an, um depression, that it's something that isn't just like this thing that you see in passing, that it needs to be regulated and treated with the same kind of um clinical meticulousness that a mood disorder would have right and, and then i think with with getting accommodations and things like that 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 word disorder is very pivotal which i think a lot of people get like hung up on as like i don't want to call it a disorder okay fine you don't call it a disorder but i think it needs that in its name
1: yeah no i agree i go back and forth because i feel like yes it needs to be taken seriously and i feel like that there is some way in which the the medicalization of it um, has to exist, but I also feel like it kind of, there's a slippery slope when you get into curing your ADHD, right? And so I think you get yeah, into this dance, right? It, but there's like that idea of like, if it's a disorder, then you're going to take this pill, you're going to cure it, you know? And then it starts to get into the same category as like as diabetes or, you know, some other medical diagnoses where you're like, this isn't actually what's happening. Like the, the disorder is coming from, From, you know, the fact that you haven't had the accommodations and the environmental, you know, um, uh, whatever care that you needed in your life based on this neurodiversity. And so, again, like, I feel like there's ways in which disorder can can hinder how it's treated or how it's even looked at in society right like I always talk about when I came out and said I was diagnosed with ADHD the vast majority of people were like I'm so sorry and I was like no that's actually it's the greatest thing that's ever happened to me but then it was like that slow realization of how oh you actually yeah ADHD you have no idea what I'm talking about when I talk about ADHD so I'm just going to stop talking about it with you Um, Mm -hmm. that's fair (laughs)
0: I mean, and I think disorder, it's not necessarily coming from just environmental factors, I think, or like medication stuff, it's not indicative, like, if you take a medication, that's going to fix it. I think that's a very limited scope of how to look at this. I think disorder is coming from you were born with this, this is how your brain is wired. And it is, it is an, you know, a difference from neurotypical wiring and that predisposes you to all of these different things so i don't think like you know when when i have people that are i think that's what makes it a disorder that it it came from the very beginning and basis kind of form of like your genetic data and code um so i and and you know how dysfunctional it makes your life obviously but uh, but i don't know a lot of people with adhd that it's without significant um, modifications that it's not impairing their life in some degree. Right. You know? Yeah. Or where they're just rolling around and they're like, I have it and it's fine. And it's like, okay, well then you don't really have it. Right. <laughs> it's exactly. Like, or it's it's that idea you. of like,
1: well, if we were all just cavemen and uh, you know, some of us would be hunter gatherers and some of us would be farmers and then nobody would be suffering. And I'd be like, I don't know. I still think you'd probably have RSD if you were caveman. <laughs> <Just
0: saying>. <laughs> yeah. you <laughs> bummed out. want to be
1: a farmer. Um, Yeah, Uh, I know. Well, I certainly I feel like I, I haven't stopped loving talking about it. And so I'm always so grateful to be able to have these conversations. And like I said, I'm so grateful to you and what you were doing um, out there on the internet and trying to uh, put, uh, you know, break down some of that misinformation that's out there and have put a real face to what this is. And so I'm so enjoy your content. So thank you. Oh, I know, thank you. I know. I appreciate that. You know, I'm sure. I'm sure. With with followers comes all of the annoying headaches of uh, the comment section and <laughs> everything.
0: Right, no, I mean a little bit on like some of my uh, like TikTok. Sometimes maybe, but even then there it's been like overwhelmingly overwhelmingly positive, which has been. Um, great because I <laughs> can't handle negative comments. Like mm-hmm. I don't think about it for weeks. Yeah, Like it just, I don't deal with it well, but I think that it's like, even when there are things that are questionable, I think other, other people step in and they use that as a forum to gently educate, which I think is important. Like leaving those comments up there because I think that there is some value in seeing like this can be course corrected, you know, and then judging on, how the other person interprets it, because you know you do have to, in order to kind of maintain the integrity of the page, you do have to police those kind of comments a little bit better. Like, if you're gonna put something weird and racist or sexual on the page, it's going. Yeah, it's going. <laughs> um, but like. But you know, when there's misinformation about ADHD and stuff, sometimes I leave that up there because I think it's important to to look at both sides of the issue and and, and show people that this is still something that exists, and this is kind of the data to counteract this viewpoint. Hmm. Right. Yeah.
1: This is what yep. we're up against. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> Yep. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for your time. It was so lovely to talk with you. And really appreciate this. And there you have it. Thank you for listening. And I really hope you enjoyed this episode of the Women and ADHD podcast. Also, you know, we ADHDers crave feedback and I would really appreciate hearing from you, the listener. If you're a fan of the podcast, please take a moment to leave me a review on Apple Podcasts or Audible. And if that feels like too much and I get it, then just take a few seconds right now to give me a five-star rating or share this episode on your own social media to help reach more women who maybe have yet to discover and lean into this gift of neurodivergency. And they may still be struggling and don't even know why. And if you'd like to find out more about me and my one-on-one coaching for women with ADHD, head over to womenandadhd.com coaching. And you can always find that link in the show notes. I'll see you next week when I interview another amazing woman who discovered that she is not lazy or crazy or broken, but she has ADHD and she is now on the path to understanding her neurodiversity and finally using this gift to her advantage. Take care till then.